what's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you to a new episode of From Half Court. I am Sean Murphy, and today we got a packed episode of the podcast for you. We are talking about all things Detroit Pistons and their head coach search. We have the latest update on the list of candidates that have been granted permission to interview the Detroit Pistons. We'll talk about what that means, who else could be potentially interviewing for the job, and what that implications are for the future of the Detroit Pistons. But also, we're going to be talking about all things NBA playoffs, our takeaways from the first weekend of playoff hoops, and our way-too-soon predictions about the Warriors and Kings. Man, the Sacramento Kings look awesome. Light the mother beam. They're up 2 nothing in the series. Listen to all of our wrong predictions about that game. But first, I'm excited to tell you about our brand new partners with From Half Court, Mint Mobile. If you're like me, I found myself physically ill over the price that I've been paying for my phone bill over the last few months. But I've always felt trapped because I've always felt that I needed to pay that much in order to get good service. However, Mint Mobile has proven that's not the case. You might already know Mint Mobile with their advertisements with Ryan Reynolds, who, by the way, is also an owner. But for real, the star of Mint Mobile is their amazing service. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G LTE network, and the reason why they're able to keep their costs so low is because they sell directly to you online. I mean, why should you have to pay more when you can pay less to get virtually the exact same network? I personally switched to Mint Mobile over the last couple of weeks over my genuine desire to save money on my phone bill, and I've been blown away by the results so far. I personally can't even tell the difference between the switch, the transition was seamless, the app is super user-friendly, you can even go and manage your family plans in there as well, and the best part is after your first three months, Mint Mobile tells you exactly which plan is best for you, even if it costs you less money. Their primary focus is passing the savings to you and giving you quality service at the same time. Switching to Mint Mobile is super easy. Thanks to their digital eSIM cards, you can switch right from the comfort of your own home. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint Mobile will send you a brand new SIM card free of charge. The whole process takes only 15 minutes, and if you get stuck, Mint customer service is ready to help you right away. If you're interested in reliable coverage and fast data for a fraction of the cost, you can go to mintmobile.com slash Sean Murphy to get savings right away. That's mintmobile.com slash Sean Murphy or use the QR code on the screen or a link in the description down below. Thanks so much to Mint Mobile for partnering with From Half Court. And with that, let's get right into the podcast. What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today, episode 101. Man, that is crazy. I am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy back from surgery from Tesla headquarters, my guy, <laughs> Jeff Iafrady. Jeff, it's good to have you back. I don't want you to say too much right now because we're still going to re- get your vocal cords back that in all seriousness my boy has a two-hour show he does each week this will be a little shorter episode because we got to take care of a boy we got to take care of our own but jeff it's just good to have you back man i'm i'm excited to be back uh i'm, I'm currently on load management uh that's how we're <laughs> yes. doing this right now load management but still I'm, I'm excited to be back with you boys man i really am perfect yeah, time p- too yeah picture this as like Kawhi leonard's last couple weeks with the clippers <laughs> Where he was putting up like 20, 20 some minutes a game, you know, yeah. sitting yeah. out some nights, but like come a week or two, he's going to be putting up 38 and looking like vintage Kawhi, believe me. But also joining us is the man himself, the Marquette Meat, the man with the heat. It's Troy Sergey. Troy, good to see you as always, my friend. Good to see you, Sean. Week one of playoff basketball. Boy, oh boy, oh. Did we get some good games this past week. And I'm even more excited, I think, for the game twos now that we're going to be watching this week uh, and game threes uh, towards the end of the week because, man, 
there is some good series. Uh, there are quite a few upsets in game ones around the league, both east and west. This will be a great, great first round. The league, both sides, kind of wide open. If I had to, if I had to summarize the first weekend of playoff basketball, I would say the second you thought you knew everything, you realize that you actually know nothing. Yeah. Because I would say after this weekend, I felt like I knew the favorite in the East and a fairly good idea who were the, who were the favorites in the West. After this weekend, there are six teams in the East I think could come out come out of the of the East right now. And in the West, there's about five or six teams that could potentially come out of the West. We could actually see the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals. What the f- is going on? <laughs> Like, and by the, by the way, too, a lot of it, the injuries, can we bring up the, the injuries have been crazy, yeah. too. I mean, you had Giannis yeah. go out, you had Hero go out, you had Ja go out, AD went out, but then came back in. Like, the injuries as well, but still, to your point, Sean, the Los Angeles Lakers, they went into the series, the Grizzlies didn't have Steven Adams, they didn't have Brandon Clark, and you saw Anthony Davis, seven blocks, he played well uh, to his extent, and then he was yeah. injured, so that's AD in a nutshell. But still, the Lakers, baby. But Jeff. Lakers, a combined baby. a combined 53 points from Rui Hachimura in Austin, Austin Mother Reeves, Hillbilly Kobe, man. I mean, Hillbilly Kobe. I mean, LeBron after the game, he told another lie where he was like, "I always knew that Austin Reeves was going to be great. I saw him in his first practice, and I knew instantly this boy was." <laughs> I don't it. know about that. No, man. <laughs> no, no shot. <laughs> no, we we uh, saw you play with Austin Reeves for almost an entire season last year. We <laughs> know you did not feel that way about Austin Reeves, no. but I mean, to I mean, listen, we and myself specifically slammed Rob Polinka for a lot of this de- of the decisions that he made, and rightfully so. But seemingly. A lot of those decisions he redeemed in this one trade. And, and, and over this the course of this season, the work that he's done to put a competitive roster like forward to compete with LeBron James, incredible. Now the one question is going to be, will LeBron's feet hold up? And will Anthony Davis hold up for a 16-game stretch? But at the end of the day, the fact that they're even in the conversation Props to their props to Rob Palenka. But guys, we'll talk about the playoffs here in just a second. It's time to talk about the Detroit Pistons coaching search. One of the biggest stories for the Detroit Pistons this offseason. One of the most important decisions in Troy Weaver's tenure. We have information and sources that confirm what we know so far. We have six coaches who are confirmed to have permission to interview with the Detroit Pistons. Those six coaches are Rex Calamian, which is, you know, Rex from the Pistons coaching staff, you know, also a, also coaches internationally guy who filled in as an interim head coach. Whenever Dwayne Casey had to take leave a guy who has, you know, who Omari Sankofa pointed out as a great relationship with Jaden Ivey. Uh, also on the list, Pelicans and former Warriors assistant Jaron Collins, a three-time NBA champion, a young guy who has been considered for a long time as one of the next up coaches in the league. Brooklyn next Brooklyn Nets assistant Brian Keefe, who who was previously a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder staff as a relationship with Troy Weaver, but also Kevin Durant credits him for quote everything he knows. So that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks assistant Charles Lee, who is currently the Vegas uh, Vegas odds leader of the of the of the of the pack, so to speak, for the next Pistons coach. Miami Heat assistant Chris Quinn, and former Connecticut overtime elite coach Kevin Ollie. A lot of interesting names on this list, guys. But I think there's a common theme here. 
All these guys would be first-time head coaches, but they've all been a part of programs that bring discipline, defense, and culture. And what did Troy Weaver say he was looking for in a head coach? Discipline, development, and defense. That's what the next head coach needs to bring. Mm-hmm. With that, what are your guys' thoughts of the initial list of candidates? Who would you like to see interview for the job? And how do you feel about the process as a whole? Yeah, I love it um, because these guys are winners, right? And I think that's exactly the type of coach that we need to bring into the program of the Detroit Pistons moving forward with a Cade Cunningham, with a Jaden Ivey, with a first round, hopefully top three pick in the draft and uh, whatever free agents we come in. We need a coach who has a winning culture already established. And those assistant coaches that you named, uh, again, like you said, none of them have ever been head coach tenured, but the assistant coaches, I mean, you talk about Milwaukee, uh, what they were able to do in the playoffs. The one guy from Miami, right? Six years mm-hmm. in Miami. Uh, yeah. That's a great, yeah. They, and then they, the Warriors, go ahead, mm-hmm. Sean. Just really quickly, sorry to like, yeah. like uh, just to point out really quickly, these guys might not have coached as the head coach before, but three of these guys have experience in the NBA finals. Right, right. And that middle thing that you said. Um, development. The development, development. That, to me, is going to be probably my number one most important thing is, okay, we have these guys. Sure, we saw you know them take strides this past year. Of course, maybe with Cade, you couldn't really see those massive strides because he was out for most of the year. But I think th- these players have so much potential in their development. And we can't have a coach who lacks that, right? I mean, that's the last thing we want. And I, again, I've said this before in our last podcast, even before I said, I trust Troy Weaver, right? And I trust uh, our management with this team. I don't, there's not a scenario where we get the wrong coach because this coach is going to be vetted like crazy. Um, I just, I'm not really giving it a ton of thought, Sean, because I know that the right choice is going to be made. Sure, when they, when they announce the coach, sure, that's when we can get into more practical conversations about what exactly their role is going to be. What players do we think can have the most potential of growing alongside this coach? But uh, I think the process is fun. But like you said, or like I said, um, I'm not giving it too much too much thought, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, my guy to put you on load management, Ime Udoka, a guy that is not mentioned yet. Would you like to see him interview for the job? And do you think we will see his name in the coming week? So I'll answer the second one first, because personally, and what I think the Pistons will do are two different things. I like Ime Udoka. I get the past, but if we're talking about a coach, first year as a head coach, Takes the Celtics to an NBA Finals. He's worked in good organizations with, with the Spurs, obviously. I like Ime a lot. I know there's character issues, but that's something you're going to have to trust Troy with at the end of the day. So for Ime, I'm open to it, but I don't, I don't think he'll be the hire, if I'm if I'm being honest. I don't see Troy going the route of Ime off of Dwayne. Could happen. I just don't see it. I, I think he's more looking at guys that either he has a connection with, you know, Brian Keefe, who, who worked, you know, back with OKC with, with Troy Weaver, or guys that come from, you know, good organizations, like you brought up a couple of them that have won NBA titles. One one coach that I like a lot, that's kind of my sleeper too, at the same time, excuse me, is Jaron Collins. Because of a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, you brought up the championship experience, which I think is super important. I, I know even as an assistant, I think you need to bring in somebody who's won. I think that's going to matter. Uh, somebody that knows what it takes to win. But the, the, the thing I struggle with is the whole first-time head coach thing. Although I understand it, and year in, year out, you're seeing guys be hired that are coming out of the woodworks. I mean, Taylor Jenkins with the Grizzlies didn't really know who he was. I mean, now he's a great coach. You have Darvin Ham with the Lakers, an assistant under Budenholzer. I like Charles Lee a lot. Mm-hmm. And Charles Lee, Jaron Collins, these two guys, like for Charles Lee specifically too, his experience working with bigs is what I look at. Because you have right now Duran, Bagley, Wiseman, you got in again, Bagley's futures in question, but still you bring in a coach that would know how to utilize these guys. Maybe you'll get a Victor Wimbanyama. Who knows? I like Charles Lee a lot. Uh, I watched the interview they had on, I believe it was on the Bucks YouTube channel. They talked with Charles Lee. Seems like a great guy. Well-spoken players respect him. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Giannis. So I, I guess you have to check off a couple boxes. Can you develop players? Charles can do that. Uh, Jaron's done that. Um, uh, Brian Keefe's done that. Kevin Durant obviously would know a lot about that. And the other thing I'd prefer is championship experience. That's why I like Emei. He's been to the finals, but still, at the end of the day, like Troy said, you trust Troy Weaver in this scenario. It's the most important decision he'll make besides 
drafting Cade. We talked about that. So at the end of the day, you just got to trust him. But my preference is it's going to be somebody that checks all three boxes. And, and to me, it might be a guy like Charles Lee, who's yeah. won a championship, he's worked with Biggs, worked under Boonholzer. Like, he checks all those boxes. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think the Pistons are in a luxurious position where – they're able to have, you know, not only Troy Weaver in that room to have that conversation, but also perhaps guys like, you know, we know that Dwayne Casey is going to be involved right. in that in that because of his role in the front office. But I mean, for all we know, John Beeline could potentially be, so, be someone they consult in that process. But in addition, you know that Troy Weaver has numerous connections throughout the league through different organizations, knows, you know, different potential, you know, prospects that that could be coaches. I mean, it's clear that Troy Weaver has people in mind of, you know, of potential coaches of this team going forward. And, you know, I think it's also interesting just to look at what Vegas tells you because, you know, like Vegas generally knows a good amount of things, right? So mm-hmm. according to Vegas, this is from, you know, our, our guy, our goat, uh, Rod Beard. Uh, the uh, According to Vegas, the uh, odds as of six days ago, uh, number one, Charles Lee at three to one. Then it goes Kenny Atkinson at four to one. Jerry, I I think Kenny Atkinson is going to be the next coach of the Houston Rockets. I've been calling that since uh, I've been calling that. that. Yeah, I I think he really fits what they what they're doing there. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse is is five to one. Ime Odoka six to one. Jay Wright at seven to one. Uh, and then Rex at eight to one. Scott Brooks at nine to one. Get him off that list as soon as possible. Frank Vogel <laughs> at ten to one. And it goes, you know, so far and so forth. But I think, I think, ultimately, where it really matters on this is like the first four or five names. I think Jay Wright is someone that's been thrown around for a while as a potential NBA candidate, and I would imagine that their reasoning there is if they get Wemby that I'm sure it would be tantalizing for for Jay Wright. But ultimately, guys, I think, you know, more than likely, it's either going to be a first-time head coach or a guy who's only coached for a year and potentially had some off weird stuff happen with his organization that forced him out for an entire year. But now they're going to have to vet through the weird interdynamic situations that he had with a certain team in Massachusetts that we're calling the Boston Celtics. You know what I mean? Who, if I had to ask you guys, who would be your top three choices? How would you rank them? Top three preferences right yeah. now, currently April 17th. I would go Lee, Imidoka, and Stackhouse. Yeah, I I would actually agree with you. I would just swap Lee and Ime. Just okay. I, I I like Ime the most, but I agree with the other two. Uh, I'm with you, Stackhouse and uh, Charles Lee. Yeah, I think I think an interesting thing to note is you know I I I, I am interested just to see you know how how the Pistons manage that with the Rob Murphy situation going on as well. Um, I sure. know they said that they're hoping to come to a resolution with that um as well, but I think that's just something to keep in mind. Is just you know the Pistons you know will you know, have to very much take that into consideration just with the the culture that they want to maintain within the organization. But also, I, I think ultimately, like, I, if, if you're asking me, like, my top three right now, I, I would say, I, w- I would definitely say Charles Lee is probably my, my number one just based off of the base knowledge that I know. I still want to do more research this week as we're, you know, getting yeah. through this, uh, through this vetting process. But I like the fact that he has, you know, all this years of experience under Mike Budenholzer's staff, one of the best, you know, one of the quickest growing coaching trees in the league, but also the experience that he's had, like he's been atop the, the Eastern conference, wherever he's been. Right. And, you know, he's, he's been, you know, a part of this Milwaukee Bucks team and that's a team that has discipline, that has defense, that has a great culture. That and 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 let's be honest, it would be beneficial to have someone who knows the in and outs of Milwaukee if we're going to be trying to one day take down Milwaukee. So if I'm like very baseline, like thinking of like if we are going to go with a new candidate, that would make a lot of sense. Now at the same time, you know, Ime Odoka. If I'm just going off of you know what we know, that guy can coach, but. At the same time, as you guys said, it would have to be with the confidence of Troy Weaver has the utmost confidence that he's going to be a great fit, both culturally, but also on the court as well. 
And I think, you know, I, I think I would also, you know, just as that as that wild card guy, I think I would have to throw in, um, you know, Jaron Collins as well, just because of everything yeah. that you said. But, you know, I, I, I do also get weary of it's not just because it's like, oh, well, he was part of the Warriors, but it's like everyone thinks of the Warriors and everything that they were on the offensive end. But in reality, it's it's the defensive end of the Warriors that makes them special and it makes them so hard to get past, like especially like at, at their peak, at least. Right. And you look at a guy who, you know, went oh, and, and went over to the Pelicans as well. Another team that's built on and, and built on their defensive prowess. I just, you know, I, I like the fact that all these guys that, that are in the mix you know, are a part of competitive situations, which which obviously you're going to get with every hire, right? But like, I think it's with the right intent, with the right intent and the right mindset for the philosophy that they're fitting with this team. It's not just like an NFL team where it's like, oh, well, we're going to go get the guy who who had the the quarterback with the most touchdowns. We're going to go get that guy be our offensive coordinator. It's like, no, this guy actually fits what we're doing, right? Yeah. And I think that's Sean, important. When do you think that the decision will be made? July or August? Oh, oh, I, I, I think oh. it's going to be quicker than that. Oh, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, before the lottery, right? Before the draft? Oh, definitely before the draft. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Be- yeah. 100% before the draft because you want, not only do you want him to be a part of the draft process and have a say in whatever pick that they get, but in addition, you want to get a you want to get a staff assembled because you have to think about not only do you need to you know like you like not only do you need to have your staff known at some point in the off season like you have to know who's coaching in the summer league you have to know like who's going right. to be like you have to have some form of staff like for that right so um i would imagine like i have no idea what they're going to be doing with the with the assistant coaching staff of Dwayne Casey i would imagine they're going to give the head coach some say as to who's going to be on his staff I would imagine there's going to be, you know, some turnover and some, you know, some guys returning. I'd I'd have a hard time seeing the Pistons letting Rashard Lewis out of their system. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, that that's just that's just the thing. The the, the important things about who's the right coach are the interpersonal connections and dynamics that we just have no idea about yet, right? So I think the, I think, you know, like for now it's like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of research on these guys' backgrounds, but ultimately I'm interested to see, you know, how, how these guys speak in interviews. I'm interested, I'm interested, like I'm going to be more judgmental when we get to the opening press conference and we see, you know, how the coach begins to take his stamp on this team. You know what I mean? Like that's where, you know, I I'll, I'll more so be judging, but at the same time, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Troy Weaver. I mean, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him miss on a draft pick yet. Even with Killian, there's still something there, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think overall, that's a pretty good position to be in, 100%. But guys, it's time to talk playoffs, man. I mean, we alluded to it earlier, but this first weekend was incredible. I mean, Jeff, I'm gonna let you pick since you missed last week. What series do you want to talk about first? Because there is a levy of a, a load of things to talk about from this weekend. I would be remiss if I did not bring up the Golden State Warriors facing yeah. the Kings. I mean, yeah, can we talk? The, the, the game one, I'm watching the game. Light we knew- the mother <laughs> beam, man. I want to say this before because we've given the Kings, you know, some shade, and, and at times they deserved it. But right now, I got to give the Kings a lot of credit. Here, oh, right? yeah. It, it, because the whole beam thing, lighting up the city, like at first I'm like, eh, it's kind of cheesy. But watching them do it after they beat the Warriors in game one, I felt like I was a Kings fan. Like I was excited yeah. for them and for the trade. I mean, this is, it goes back all the way to trading Tyrese Halliburton, I feel right. like. like. This has yeah, been building now with De'Aaron, choosing De'Aaron over Tyrese, the hesitancy. Do you see Tyrese balling over in Indiana? Here comes De'Aaron, 40 points. In game one against the reigning defending NBA champions, I got to give the Kings credit. And Mike Brown, by the way, because Mike Brown, I loved his answer after the game when they were like, yeah, you know, the Warriors are giving you a ton of credit. He goes, man, they're trying, you know, they're trying to get to me. Like he yeah. knows. And that's why I love him on Mike Brown. Speaking of new, newly hired head coaches, the Kings, man, they're on a roll. Oh, yeah. And the Warriors, as, as much as I still believe they'll win the series, you got to be concerned. 
Like, mm-hmm. it, it, I, you got to be concerned. Not even just about them winning game one at in Sacramento, but how they won. Like, De'Aaron had 40. In, in the Warriors, offensively, they struggled, but defensively, they looked awful. And yeah. we knew the Kings were bad, but they could score points. So the Kings, mm-hmm. to me, they're they're a team that's interesting. I'm I'm tuning into every single game of the series. I can't wait. Yeah, to and then tonight we got a great one as we're recording Monday night. And I think with that series, um, see, we know what Steph and Clay are going to do, right? We absolutely know what they're going to do. They're going to get their own. But seeing performances, uh, I like to see a little more out of Wiggins on the Warrior side. Uh, First game back Cl- from you know from right. yeah right of course of course and you know Kevon Looney too. Um, you know, both on both ends of the court with him, but man, the Kings energy in that home court, uh, game one, like nothing I've seen in the past five years uh, that that's just that electric, but you know, as we know, as Pistons fans, uh, maybe we've not had the longest drought as far as getting to the playoffs. We certainly have had a long drought of winning a playoff game. Uh, so I think there's part of us uh, that can relate to that. But, I mean, props to them. Props to Darren Fox. And Sabonis had a pretty good game, too. And just, Malik Monk, too. Malik Monk, Monk, Monk 14-14 from the free throw line. But Sabonis Trey Lyles a, coming alive. Right, Trey, Trey Lyles, yeah. Yeah, our boy. <laughs> um, oh Sabonis has been so consistent all year. Um, it'll be really curious to see. He didn't uh, even have that great of a game, and they still won. Right, right, right. I, it'll be curious to see how much he can step up in, in the next yeah. um few games but uh yeah i think it's going to be a great series i could see that series honestly going seven but as to as to jeff's point i would still say the warriors would still be this, my favorite this is the of, of all the series in the playoffs this is the coaching battle i'm the most excited for because these guys know each other like a freaking glove man like they these guys were around each other for years. Mike Brown was Steve Kerr's top assistant through the entirety of this run. So you talk about knowing what the Warriors are about, how they operate, how they do things, what they're looking for, what type of adjustments they can make. He knows it all. But on the flip side, Steve Kerr knows exactly what he's going to be anticipating too. And then there's that chess battle and everything within it. And I'm interested to see because I, I know I know what to expect from Golden State, right? Like, I know that guys like Clay and Steph are going to come out fired up, and they're going to want to steal one before getting back, you know, getting back to, uh, getting back to San Fran. I'm interested to see how guys, you know, like how De'Aaron holds up throughout the series, how, Sabo- how Sabonis holds up throughout the series, but also how these guys adjust to what types of adjustments they're making. Because you know Golden State is going to radically change and give different looks and try to make it harder on, on Fox, right? And, like, mm-hmm. they have to. And so, you know, I, I'm interested to see how they how they carry on with that. But I, I'm more interested to see how, how the Kings are going to do on the road themselves. I know we talk about how bad Golden State's been on the road this year. But the Kings are objectively a different team when they're at home than when they're on the road. And listen, I know they're a young team, and it's one of the hurdles of becoming a great team is figuring out how to win on the road as well. But Mike Brown even said it like a couple of weeks ago. There's like, you know, like there's this weird energy difference with this team between on the road and 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 when they're at home and when they're on the road. It's it's kind of weird. So I hope I hope for their sake that. They can figure things out. You know, like I'm interested to see how they handle the environment because I'm confident that in game two, I'm confident Steph Curry's gonna be ready. I'm confident that Clay's gonna be ready. And and here's here's the scary part. Even if the Kings win tonight, are you still like, can we, like I'm not gonna sit here and cut out the Warriors, even though they're down 2-0. Yeah. So that's the scary part is the wings the, the, the Kings can win tonight. And the Warriors can win the next two and be tied to two going going to Sacramento. So it's it's series. I, I agree with Troy. I think it can go seven. Like I really do. If yeah. they if they each win a game at home and it, it it's decided in Sacramento, I can see it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's gonna come down to who's gonna be able to get a win on the road. Who's gonna be able to overcome yeah. the massive home court advantage that each team has in the series? Like that, like that is going to decide it. And if you're just looking at if you're just basing off of experience, if you're looking at which team has the has the best player 
Like, yes, I get the Kings are statistically one of the best offenses in NBA history. Statistically the best offense in NBA history. Yeah. But again, it's one game. You still have to do it a series of times. And until dethroned, even if this team's looked mid at times, they're still the defending NBA champion. They sure are. So you, you cannot count them out in that regard. And the scary thing is how this team's going to look as Wiggins starts to get the cobweb, cobwebs shaken off a little bit more and a little bit more. How in the world are we going to keep replicating that, that quality of shot making, though? Like, it was just back and forth and yeah. back and forth and yeah. back and forth. I mean, I hope the same thing happens tonight, Sean. I hope we get a, a a game down to the last two minutes, maybe even in overtime. Wouldn't an overtime be so fun? A game two oh. overtime, guys. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good, so good. Another Sean, series. Switching gears here, I, I would love to see Cleveland and Phoenix bounce back, both of them. So. So I'm glad that you brought up Cleveland because that's exactly where I wanted to go next. All right, go get on with your Jalen Brunson well, praise. Right? Well, well, yeah, hold on, you. hold on. Before, before I, before I brush my ego, which you, <laughs> you, you know damn well is coming. I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Um, I just want to bring up. I think this is going to be the best series potentially in the playoffs. I mean, this like like you talk about. Even matchup in a first round, total toss up. I think this is perhaps the most even first round matchup we've had in the last five years. Like this is like a true four five, like like first round series, right? Yep. Now having said that, y'all mother tried to tell me Jalen Brunson couldn't ball. Y'all tried to tell me his size was an issue. Y'all tried to tell me that this guy could be a deterrent, that what he was doing in Dallas was a fluke? Man, 27 points in the playoffs. Comes out, doesn't do jack in the first half, but he does it when it matters most. Who on that Cleveland roster could stop Jalen Brunson? I'll tell you right now, it was absolutely nobody. Nobody. Jalen Brunson, the point God. Your thought. That is awful. <laughs> he, no, and honestly, truthfully, to Sean's point, too, we knew how bad the, the Cavaliers were with their backcourt in terms of defending. I mean, you have Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, like two, one of the, two of the worst defenders, and in, in, you can argue, in the NBA. But for Jalen Brunson, he's right. There's nobody on this Cleveland roster that could stop him man-to-man. So for Jalen to go out and ball like that, especially down the stretch, I mean, Donovan, this is the problem I have with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I want to say this real quick too. They're too Donovan-dependent. You notice that? Like, for as much talent as the Cleveland Cavaliers have, I don't know if that's a Donovan problem, if that's a, a Bickerstaff problem, but there's no way in hell Donovan Mitchell, even as well as he's as he played, should have had 16 shots from three. I mean, you're watching the game, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, you you do realize you have Garland, Mobley, you have teammates. So, but that's Donovan. That's Utah Donovan. He had to play hero ball. So I understand it, but yeah, that ain't a recipe for success. I'd that love isn't. to hear your thoughts, Troy. But really quick, my opinion is, I think that's exactly the gamble they're taking, Jeff, with the amount that they gave away in the in the Donovan Mitchell trade. Because you look at what where this team's at right now, in part, and I think part of the gamble that they made is I think they're betting on Evan Mobley's long-term upside on the offensive end, right? I think they're betting that at some point he's going to be able to create a certain level of offense for himself, which right. if he does, good Lord, potentially game over. But the thing is, while he doesn't have that, as good as Darius Garland is, I think he's more of a natural true point guard. Yes, yep. he can score. Yes, there's nights where he can go off and shoot the basketball. There's not always nights where he's looking to score first. And let's be real. I mean, it's it's his first playoffs. It's Evan Mobley's first playoffs. Jarrett Allen has some playoff experience, but like not much beyond like the first round. Um, you know, this team is just, you know, beyond Donovan Mitchell, they they're 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 still a young team. And then you look yeah. at you look at what they have on the other side in New York. Yes, you have some young guys over there too, but Jalen Brunson's a confident leader. 
They have a they have Tom Thibodeau who's just going to make the make Cleveland earn every last bucket that they get. This series is going to be a grueler for both teams. Like this is the type of series where it could potentially screw over their chances in the next round because of how much it took out of them to get through this one. You know what I right. mean? Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I just I still think Cleveland slightly has the upper hand because of how well they've been playing all year. And I, I know that you can't you know, really dictate the entire playoffs on your regular season, but I see their roster of a Darius Garland and how well he's been playing. Donovan Mitchell, guys, in this system, I'm telling you. I mean, on paper, they have it all, right? They have it. They do have it on paper. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I have a hard time still I thinking I, I, about them stealing a game let, in, in Madison Square let, Garden. Let me ask you this. For them to have a chance. Let, let me ahead. ask you this. I like the this. Knicks now. I like the Knicks. Let, let me ask you this. Could we, could we agree that we may all like the Cavaliers roster better? But we all could possibly see that I, I think I like the Cavs roster better. I think it's more likely the Knicks make the finals. Yeah. If you're going off either sure. or like, sure. like, 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 yeah. like, like how they're built. Mm-hmm. Sure. If, yeah. if how they're built for playoff basketball, we're yeah. talking just 2023, these three months, who these teams are right now. I think the Knicks have a clear path to the finals and the Cavaliers do because of those exact reasons. And yes, they have the dominant big presence of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. But at the same time, I mean, man. But the way Julius Randle has been able to score the ball and make offense for his own. I mean, I think that to me, but even guys like, yeah, as much as I love the Cavs roster, I think a Julius Randle is such a complete player that I feel like him and Brunson combined. Yeah, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel, quickly. Like, they just have a mixture of guys who can get buckets now. Yeah, that that's the problem. Wings and bigs win ring, uh, rings. So you you need guys like a, 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 a Randall or, for example, I mean, look at the Cleveland roster. They have Mobley. They have Allen. But those two guys haven't shown up yet. So if those guys can, if Mobley can get there, and I know it's his first playoff series, so it's a lot for him, or his, you know, I guess his second, um, then yes. But still, to, to your point, Sean, I, I like the Knicks more. I just think they're built more for the playoffs. But I like the Cle- I like the Cavaliers roster. I just don't see Donovan single-handedly beating the Knicks and, and making – I can see the Knicks, although I don't think they're going to make the finals. I just think as they're built, I agree with you, with their depth, uh, with how they play, their physicality. Brunson has tons of playoff experience. Like, I can see it. And you have Randall playing the way he's playing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think Cleveland's a team that is ultimately still, you know, learning things. It's still a young team. It's still piecing a lot of things together. Whereas I think the Knicks are a, I think the, the dynamics of their team and their team chemistry is what makes them a real threat. But Donovan Mitchell could potentially after this postseason have the highest, have, have the highest scoring average in the history of the NBA playoffs. So that's another thing as well. We talk about, you know, what, you know, what the Knicks have, you know, like in their hands. I mean, guys, Donovan Mitchell has been that good. Like he's been a top 10 player in the league this year. Absolutely. So, and then you talk about the, you know, the, the difficulty that New York will continue to have to score in the paint with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I mean, it is going to be a hell of a series. I'm just excited to see that clash. Now, Let's talk about some series that, let's just call it Frank, that are already over. Um, the uh, the Boston Celtics and Atlanta Hawks. Congrats to Sadiq Bay on getting some minutes. But if Boston doesn't win it at least in five, there's a problem. Because there's yep. no world that that Hawks team is good enough. Even win two games, right? No. Yeah, especially the way Trey and yeah Murray are playing. Yeah, no way. I mean, when you have reports about your about your star, you know, being shipped off this off season, and about <laughs> from four or five months ago, those conversations started to arise. Yeah, and then and then playoff. and then right as the play in started, Kevin O'Connor just was like, "Yep, he's pretty much playing for his job." And this is why I never I hated the Quinn Snyder move, not because it's Quinn Snyder, but it, it felt desperate to me. When they brought in Quinn, it was almost like, "Hey, we fired Nate McMillan." Uh, you know what it felt like? Available, bring in Quinn Snyder. 
and, and even if they don't win, they're not going to win up this playoff series. It's like, I, I like Quinn, but I don't know if that hire was based on just desperation. Well, Let's just go get somebody, the best guy available. Yeah. From the sounds of it, I was listening to Bill Simmons and, um, you know, I mean, because of course the ringer, shout out the ringer, but um, he, he had, he had on Brian Windhorse and it sounds like the Hawks, it sounds like they gave Quinn Snyder the keys and it sounds like this is a Doc Rivers slash Stan Van Gundy situation where you bring in your coach and you give him the final say over, you know, personnel decisions. And that becomes a very, very tricky, very tricky, complicated road to go down because sometimes you need the person to have the final say not be in the locker room with them on a day-to-day basis. There is a very complicated uh, uh, relationship and dynamic that goes into that type of Mm decision-making. And the moment you give that type of coach the keys, which, yes, Quinn Snyder, one of the best coaches in the NBA, but what has he done to get the keys? Bingo. Like, like, yes, give him the bag. Like, Like, make him, like, one of the highest paid coaches in the league. Like, he's earned that. But the keys to the entire franchise, that just says to me, we don't have a culture. We need help setting one. Desperation. So I, that, that's just where it feels to me, and Boston's just simply a better team. Philadelphia and, and, and Brooklyn. Where's Brooklyn's big? Michael Bridges, stud. They're going home in four. Who's, who's their, who's their four? big? Four? I, I see a five. I see a five, Jeff. No, I gotta give you a five, Troy, just because I like you. I'll give you I a mean, five. Troy, I love you, but <laughs> but but what is Nick Claxton doing to stop Joel Embiid? Yes, he can block oh, shots, but he's gonna freaking blow that guy over like a tissue. Like, I agree. I agree. Like this team, it, like it's gonna be hard. Like like Mikel Bridges was did everything you needed him to do, <laughs> and they lost by twenty. I know. Like, I know. It's just, it's it's Poor not Mikhail. a series. It's not. I mean, hey, I love Brooklyn's future. I think they have a real opportunity to take what they have in the cupboards and really sweeten their pot this offseason and build towards a solid future. I mean, they have, you know, they have numerous guys who are free agents this summer that they could potentially get signed in trades. They have assets that they, that they went and traded for to build a contender that, a lot of contenders would love to have. So they they are set up in a pretty good position, but not for the playoffs. Definitely not. Uh, another series that I think is over, Memphis and LA. John Morant is reportedly highly doubtful to play in game two. And after game one, according to Shams Sharania, his right hand was in so much pain that he reportedly couldn't even use it to unball a pair of balled-up socks. Which, if you do that on a daily basis, you know how little strength that takes to do. And so if you can't even do that, how are we talking about shooting a basketball, dribbling a basketball? Yeah, right. Like, we're not even in that realm. We're, we're talking about, can you tie your shoes? Meanwhile, they don't have anybody to, to defend Anthony Davis. So they're, they're already missing Steven Adams and Clark, and now you lose Ja. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you have Jer- you, you, you have Jaron Jackson, but... He's solid, but he can't do it all. You have, yeah, him like, for, you have him for two and a half minutes until he's in foul trouble. Right. Until he's in foul trouble. That's the problem. And, you know, the, yes, you had guys like Desmond Bain who are still having, you know, who had, who had a solid performance, and you have a good roster that, that can compete and hang. I just think between the, the, the culture issues that the t- this team's faced this year, the health issues, the momentum that they've had go- like or lack thereof going into the playoffs with just all the bad, like, you know, bad fortune that they've had there, you know, dealt their way. It's just not the year. And, you know, this Lakers roster, barring injury on their end, they look like they're comfortably going to get into the next round. Now, a series that that shouldn't be competitive, but I'm nervous will be now, is Miami and Milwaukee. I mean, guys, I didn't even know 
that there's a world where Giannis could be injured? I mean, on one hand, are we sitting back and just kind of going, well, is he going to pull what he did in the playoffs last time he got injured where he just came out and looked normal again? Right. Or is this, I mean, because listen, this is a back issue. Back issues don't just go away. And even if you're playing with it, is he going to be at the same mobility? I, if I'm being real, and I, I know this is going to come off weird and it's going to sound odd, but I'm more worried about Miami without Hero than I am the yeah. Bucks without Giannis. I know that sounds crazy, but no. without Giannis, not saying for a whole for whole this playoffs, round, for yes, this round, just for this yeah, round, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Because without Hero, that team takes a hit significantly. Without Giannis, they take a huge hit. But they've won games. What are they above five hundred without Giannis? I believe. I think they're like eleven and six, something yeah. like that. I mean, so I'm more concerned. Even without, if if Hero was still healthy, I'd be concerned. But since he's hurt, I, I still like the Bucks in this series. Even yeah. if Giannis plays, if he's fifty percent, twenty five percent, give me all the percents. I mean, they're they're still gonna win. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a good point because it's not even a week ago that we saw that Atlanta Hawks playing game where Miami couldn't make anything, and that was with yeah. Ty, that was with Tyler Hero. In the lineup. And listen, as great as playoff Jimmy Butler looks, as as good as Max Struess can be in stretches, I mean, they're going to have to rely on Duncan Robinson now. On both ends of the court. And who hasn't really gotten many minutes or touches really all season long. And even last season, too. Not not a ton. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, Imagine imagine during the bubble saying three years later, you're going to have to count on Duncan Robinson. And that being a bad thing. Like, like there was a couple years ago where it was like, well, that guy's one of the best shooters in the league. But then, you know, of course, that was quite literally. Then you gave him a, 60 million. Yeah, it's almost like it was quite literally in a bubble. But, guys, <laughs> another series that, that definitely isn't over. And the last one I want to talk about before we wrap up this, this week's pod is the Los Angeles Clippers. In the Ooh. Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Ooh. This was a slugfest that went down to the wire. And the and, and what made the difference was rebounding. Was Believe it or not. Specifically, Russell Westbrook coming up big and making big plays at the end of the game despite shooting, what, 3 of 19 from the Two field? Oh. Two and zero in games where he shoots three for nineteen, which I don't know. It, so far in the playoffs, I don't know how that makes sense, but it is what it is. Which I mean, listen the the fact that the I mean the fact that the Clippers have to rely on Russ to shoot nineteen shots in this stage of his career is an indicative problem of where they're at this series because right. reportedly Paul George is not going to be ready for this series or possibly the playoffs. So, if the Clippers are without Paul George. Their ceiling is inherently inherently low. Right. Right? However, I mean, guys, other than Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who do you trust on this Phoenix team? DeAndre Ayton, to me, has been extremely disappointing. And I remember the conversation we had, uh, more Pistons-related, about signing DeAndre Ayton and, and what that entailed. My goodness. And for DeAndre, and, and, and I'm not trying to single him out because it was Kevin Durant's first loss as a son. So as a team, they just didn't play well. But still, DeAndre didn't show up. And they're going to need him, especially in this series. I mean, you're going against Zubak. Zubak. Like, DeAndre yeah. should be putting up 20 and 10 a night on him. So, again, moving forward, yeah, it's more on the others. I love Devin. He's my favorite player to watch. But still, you're right, Sean. I mean, there's there's some problems right now with the Suns. I mean, and, Devin and Booker. Me, the Suns were a sleeper to make the finals. We'll see. I mean, they, Devin they Booker. The Clippers without Paul George first. Yeah, I mean, Devin Booker's looked awesome on both ends of the court. He, yeah, he, yeah, Devin, he's balling. Yeah, he made some plays on the defensive end of the court that you know, like anyone that's like, oh, Devin Booker's not a winning player. I mean, shut up. Like that's just blatantly right. false. And I, I think, uh, including Chris Paul in that mix too. I think we need to see some more out of him. But we know what he can do. We know what he's done. He's done the past what 10, 15 years in, in the well, 10, more than ten, but fifteen plus years in the league so far. And I just think getting Chris Paul to his full potential, like we've seen him do time and time again, we're going to need that 
if the if if the Suns are going to be a contender for the finals. Right, and that's the question: is 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 what Chris Paul are we going to get in this playoffs? Because they're you know, let's be honest, there were points this year where Chris Paul just you know straight up is that like you know it's like you fear the point where a player looks like they're they've appeared to be a shell of themselves, and it's like it feels like we're kind of reaching that point with Chris Paul a little bit. He still is like able to make impactful plays. I I, I think you know the the aspects of his offensive game, just creating separation. I don't think that's going to be, you know, just a thing he can consistently do anymore, but you know, I think if they can just continue to find more ways to get Kevin Durant the ball, because they, that was like the biggest thing in that game, get Kevin Durant the damn ball. Why does he have one shot in the fourth quarter? Yeah, that should (laughs) never happen. Never. No, that should never happen. And especially after you quite literally sent the farm, the, the, the farm, like the, the freaking home Depot, the Lowe's, you name it. Like you sent pretty much everything of your future to get this guy. One shot. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I know they're going to correct that. I know part of it was having Kawhi Leonard on him, but that just, I mean, guys, it can't happen, but no, ultimately we're just going to be blessed with some really good basketball in the coming weeks. We have a lot of awesome content in the coming weeks as well. The NBA draft is coming up. The draft lottery is on its way. A lot of coverage will be coming from that. So be sure you're liking this video and subscribing to the channel. So you're not missing any of that content coming up. But also be sure to follow my guys, Jeff at I Brady at Jeff Iafrady on Twitter, but also my boy Troy at Troy Sergi44. And you can even follow myself at Sean Half Court. But that is going to do it for today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time from Half Court. Be sure you subscribe.